This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Bacon Sale. Kent! Zach! Ready your breakfast and eat hearty, for tonight we dine in hell! Wait, wait, wait. I just realized uh, hell is actually closed due to the pandemic. We're going to have to get some takeout. I think... It's, it's not going to be open for a little while. Oh. But get ready, because the lines will be long! <laughs> <laughs> this is Bacon Cell. <laughs> Welcome to Bacon Cell. I'm Joel. I'm scared, and I'm Kent. I am worried, and I'm Zach. And I use that word in context. Keep that in mind, kids. It was. Yeah, I was just proud it was. for a little bit. Uh, and then I'm like, dang it, he's using it in context. It's in context. Yes. Well, well done, Joel. That was thank awesome. You. Wow. My throat is hurting. <laughs> you have the beard to go with it, too. Oh, thank you. So yeah. manly. And, and the, the abs. abs. Yeah. 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 Under the shirt in the flab, there's some abs. Hey, put the airbrush <laughs> away. But we'd like to thank you for listening to our last episode, our NES n- uh, nostalgia, as we called it. Yes. Uh, we had a couple comments here I wanted to read. One from Todd Callen, who said... That episode brought back so many great memories. My brother bought the game NARC, which was probably the most violent NES game I've ever played. You go around and arrest or shoot junkies, avoid being hit by guys throwing syringes, and try to take down a drug lord. Gotta love old school Nintendo. But, uh, like, it's all these pixelated whatevers, so... Yeah. Scott really McKay? Know. Scott Mackey? Scott McKay? What's his... We'll say Scott McKay. Scott McKay. Fun show. Brought back some memories. Now I want to buy Rad Racer for some reason. Oh. We didn't even talk about Rad Racer. Rad Racer doesn't hold up, by the way. What? I played it the other day. Aw. It doesn't hold up? It's it tough to play. That one, actually, it's better than Spy Hunter. Remember that game? Mm. Terrible. <laughs> I remember that But that one. was that show. And then Ben Jones finally said, most of my hours went into blowing into the cartridge and trying to make the game work. Accurate. But to answer your question, which we asked, what is the game you post uh, most of the time into? He said, Mario Bros. in Castlevania, I spent my time trying to conquer that where the most memorable and time consuming. So much fun. So good. So thank you, Ben. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Todd. And thank you, everyone who listened to our last show. I really do appreciate it. Speaking of appreciation, we have patrons. Yeah. Two new patrons. Yeah. Celebrate good times. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Come on. Oh, God. (laughs) There's a party going on. We have Kendall Eliason. Oh, good old Kendall. He's a new $3 patron. And Alicia Toner. Okay. Hey, Alicia. Welcome. Thank you for being patrons. Uh, They now get access to extra Pagan bits that we do. Uh, in fact, uh, we just did a bacon bit uh, that was released, and they heard that last week, where they got a sneak preview of a bacon bit, and they got to hear a special surprise that we did for Kent. Yeah. Aww. And you're going to hear the results of that surprise at no, some we future date. hope not. Uh, and also, we have a new iTunes review I want to read. Nice. Sorry, I'm just talking it's a lot a big week. on the show. Uh, this one's from Christy Barbara, and she, hi- she uh, says, My Monday Highlight. Love this show. I've just recently started listening, since quarantine, really, and it's become one of the highlights of my week. I laugh out loud every episode. The energy between the guys, Kent, Joel, and Zach, is so entertaining. Perfect mix of family-friendly topics, pop culture references, wit, mostly educated opinions, Joel facts, Kent mocking, and Zach one-liners. This is my favorite. Wait, I have no facts? (laughs) You're Kent mocking. (laughs) What is it? Mostly... I have facts. You have mocking. He has one-liners. Mostly educated opinions? Is that... Mostly... It's mostly in parentheses. Mostly educated opinions. Uh. That was oh. that was almost too kind. That was like Russian bot friendly. I liked. I like. I like you, Christy Barbara. Uh, but uh, we we thank you for the the review. If you have a chance, if you have some spare time, right? Maybe Which we do. Uh, go to iTunes and leave us a review. We love hearing from you, or just give us a rating too. We enjoy that as well. Just seeing it, it gives us more visibility to the iTunes community when you rate and review us. Right. So thank you for that. But that's not what we're talking about today. I'm going to shut up, Zach. What are we talking about? Wah. Huh. Yeah. 
What is it good for? Come on. Bacon sale episodes. Right. Come on, right? I can say come on now. No, that's it's fine. The wrong song. No. That's the wrong Dang song. It. Yeah, today, gentlemen, we are talking war movies. War but, movies? Uh, war movies. Sounds a bit heavy. War movies. We're heavy guys. <laughs> Thanks, I've quarantine. I've been doing body on demand a lot lately. of candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the candy. No, we talked about this. Yes. Because we wanted to do an episode about war movies. We talked about w- doing a war film list, and we didn't know exactly how to format it, but we are going with a topic that, in a very specific way, mm-hmm. we're going to go back to our Mount Rushmore, where we create a national monument and a personal monument. The last time we did this was episode 161, the Mount Rushmore of summer blockbusters back in June, 25th, uh, back in June of 2018, yes. so two years ago. And we were trying to figure out, because what it is, is we're building a monument in our own backyard of our favorite right, A little movies. hill in the back. And then we're going like to... a mini golf. Yeah. And then we're going to build a national monument that everyone can see that has to be agreed upon. Right. That it's not just, oh, this is my favorite. It's like, this is the best representative version of what the topic is. Right. And so we're going with war movies, but not just, hey, there's like 250 war movies out there. We had to kind so of break many. it into segments. So for this one... Forget about World War One. Forget about World War Two. <laughs> Forget about these wars that's, uh, that's for a limited time only. So Thank you for your service, veterans. We really do appreciate it. We'll never forget. Forget about Greatest Generation, real quick. <laughs> oh boy, we're going with historical wars and everything surrounding the World Wars because we may talk about that at a future date. Yeah, we talked about uh, saving that because we feel we realized that the World Wars, World War One and World War Two, there's could so be their, many movies, so many movies, and they yeah. could be their own show. So we saved that for later. Right now, we're talking about everything from like pre-American wars all the way up to the war in Afghanistan. So everything surrounding that war, whether it yeah. be in America, or around we're the world. We're talking about the bun right now. Yeah, not the meat in the middle. We're talking about the we're talking about Revolutionary War, <laughs> not Guys, that World War Two meat, the stop. War of eighteen twelve, Mexican American War, oh American Civil War, Spanish American War, Korean War, Vietnam War, Gulf War, like all those. Wow, yeah. could be any of those. But we only have like eight choices between us, maybe. Yeah. So we're going to have to get there. But Zach, tell us, this is a show yeah. where we decide kind of on the fly what the actual mountain's going to be. Yes. What the new Mount Rushmore we're for war movies is going to be. Stone, the monument to war movies. And so Joel and I have to decide what best fits the category. Mm-hmm. Maybe is something that's not even my favorite or your favorite, mm-hmm. but should be there. Yes, it's it's the overall best choice to be up there. Mm-hmm. If there's so one that's thing why you're going to have your personal choices as well. If there's one thing I hope you've learned as a listener of Bacon Cell... I hope you've learned that I'm able to separate favorite from best. And I'm not, because whatever I say is the <laughs> best. best. <laughs> so I have uh, my opinions that I'm going to be sharing, and hopefully Kent will agree with me, because I feel, honestly, I feel like my national monument is the monument it should be. And you're going to But are time. they your favorite? Not all of them. Okay. In fact, one I don't like. See, I picked a couple I didn't like as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm interested. But we're not there yet. All right. We're going to right now decide, we, we've got our, oh, so there's the mountain, we're going to put the national one, but right now we've got plaster of Paris and some wood <laughs> in the I'm backyard. I'm picturing like an anthill uh, that I pour water on and I just craft <laughs> little heads. I'm picturing, you know, people are getting bored, they want to drive around and see something in the neighborhood. I'm building something in my front yard, a monument to war movies. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. I'll I'm, come and see it. I'm not a craftsman, so this is going to be interesting. <laughs> They're going to look really cool. Yeah. All right, listener, let's get those little mini golf hills started. <laughs> Joel, uh, what's the first head? represented on your personal monument. Good morning, listener! Wow. You're just yelling on the show. That's is that what so you're doing? Yelling. Do you have a voice? Uh, no, it actually is really hurting right now. I might have to take a break. <laughs> I chose 1987's Good Morning Vietnam for one of my personal war, mo- war movie monument 
entries. This on. is actually one of your favorite war movies ever. This is. Well, yeah. My, one of my favorite war movies, not World War I or World War II. <laughs> There's a disclaimer the too. And uh, so here's the synopsis. By the way, this is the Vietnam War, if you don't get that from the title. In 1965, an unorthodox and irreverent DJ named Adrian Cronauer, I can't ever say his name, begins to shake up things when he is assigned to the U.S. Armed Services radio station in Vietnam. This is directed by Barry Levinson, who did The Natural, Rain Man, Bandits, other movies I really enjoy. Uh, and it's starring Robin Williams and Forrest Whitaker, uh, Bruno Kirby. I'm trying to think of other people who are in there. But it's the Robin Williams show. It is. And this was one that got a ton of like love for being one of these great comedies. And so when I saw it, which was years after it came out, I was like, oh, fun comedy. Robin Williams, fun comedy. Mm-hmm. And it was for a while. It's, it's, yeah. And then it takes a hard left into this. It went full Patch Adams. Is that what you're saying? No, it didn't go full Patch Adams. Yeah. Patch Adams became. It's real dark. Yes. This is more. It showed you kind of the horrors of war in a very personal and human level. They give you this character, Rob Williams, who you kind of just love. And then he gets put through this horrible experience in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you realize, wow, war really is complex. And there's kind of a different side to look at here. Did you feel a theme between, and I don't know if you've watched a lot of war movies recently, but I've watched a lot of like Vietnam War movies compared to maybe Revolutionary War or Civil mm-hmm. War. And the Vietnam War, they're so grim. Well, okay, so for... And, like war movies should be grim, right? There's right. always death and there's but, tragedy all around. And I'm actually doing a study of this because there was this very much raw, raw soldiers uh, are... Back then. Are, soldiers are good, enemies bad. Like that was like the war movie for basically until the 70s. Yes. And like even like it was like I think the Green Berets with John Wayne is like the tipping point where all of a sudden the war movies start turning into, hey, you know, wars, wars kind of awful. And, and it turns you into monsters and, and specifically it, Americans. Yeah. And so the Vietnam, you're absolutely right. Almost all the Vietnam War movies are very grim. Yeah. And very dark. And this one definitely has that side to it, too, but also has a humanity I enjoy. And this is actually based loosely on actual experiences of a guy named Adrian Cronauer who went to Vietnam and was a radio DJ. And he said, look. I'm very happy. I'm very happy with it, meaning the movie. Of course, it was never intended to be an accurate point by point biography. It was intended as a piece of entertainment. And Robin Williams was playing a character with my name, but he was just playing Robin Williams. Okay. So he said it was like 45% accurate. And if he had done the things that Robin Williams did in the movie, he'd have been court martialed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, he, he does a lot of things in here where they keep telling him to cut it out, just being irreverent on the radio and stuff like that, and yeah. then breaking protocol. But I feel like this is a good, and, and I should clarify right at the beginning here for all you historians out there, Kyler. we are not, <laughs> hey Kyler, what's up? Uh, we are not putting these out here on a monument as these are the most historically accurate war movies no. because I fully acknowledge, <laughs> I don't think I have a single one that is hundred percent accurate on any of my lists. Are any of these accurate? Are, no. Are any war movies 100% accurate based on know. who's in them? Yeah. Like what, who's the main character who drives the story? Because even then they're. They're based on people, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's like no. a romance that happens right at the same time. I, I honestly mean, can't think of like one specific true, true story. Even Zero Dark Thirty, which was, you know, like I said in a couple episodes back, mm-hmm. it's one where they actually said, did you leak information? Because it was very much accurate as to what happened. But yeah. the whole movie, there's obviously some fictionalized parts as well. So yeah, as much as my throat hurts, Good Morning mm-hmm. Vietnam is on my monument because it kind of sh- it, it showed me kind of a, a perspective on war that I did not really think about until that point in my life. I'm glad you put out that disclaimer that these are not true stories because most of my choices are super farcical. They mm. are based around real battles. Right. But the people themselves aren't generally real. 
But see, I think that's fine because it gives you sort of a conduit into the story. Right. So that's what you I need. You need an everyman yeah. to like, bring you, you into the story. A filmmaker is there to persuade an audience, and we will pay money to be persuaded. Yeah. And sometimes with actually true events, they're boring or there's poor pacing in real life. Yeah. So that's why we have movies like The Patriot from the year 2000. You love oh, The Patriot. I love The Patriot. Uh, Benjamin Martin is the protagonist. Mel Gibson belongs on in a museum. <laughs> Yeah. Well, museum. a couple of museums, maybe <laughs> on, on a few mountains. Other people, yeah, they, they they don't care for Mel Gibson, but he for, for what he has done for war epics, epics uh, across, general. yeah, epics in general, but across like different wars as well, because mm-hmm. he's in a lot of war movies, some of which may come up in this show. Mm-hmm. But I want to singularly put Benjamin Martin on my mountain with his little revolutionary ponytail. Oh, that's right. We're supposed to see what we chisel on there. Yeah, right? you're obviously yeah. putting Robin Williams with the microphone at his microphone in front of his face. Okay, so I have Mel Gibson's face, but he just has kind of a long wig. Okay, that, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so a little Ichabod Crane ponytail thing. And if you haven't seen the movie, uh, Peaceful Farmer, Benjamin Martin is driven to lead the colonial militia during the American Revolution when a sadistic British officer murders his son. This one's directed by Roland Emmerich, who I don't really care for as a director, mm-hmm. but this is like his one good movie, I feel. Everyone, get, I was going to say, almost every director has at least one that can kind of go, yeah, yeah. there you go. And this one has the score by John Williams, which is also surprising and yeah. really, really good. Mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's in this one. Yeah, Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. a young Heath Ledger. Man. And this movie is a straight up tragedy. Yeah. It's barbaric. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's heartbreaking. Scene. some scenes, it's yeah, axes. heartbreaking. Uh, heartbreaking. This is one of those we talked about a couple seasons ago. Definitely made me we cry. We were talking on the cry episode with the girl running. Yeah. Up. Oh, my gosh. I just realized that oh my heart started hurting. Boy. <laughs> Don't cry, Joel. Don't cry. I was looking at some trivia on this one. And Heath Ledger from Australia, he said uh, he's re- researching the American Revolutionary War, planning for this, this role. And he said, I always wondered why Americans wave their flag so high, because we're often seen as very prideful people. And so he's like, why do they wave their flag so high? Why are they so proud? And he says, it's because they went to hell and back to build their country in context. Mm-hmm. Do you like that? It's a context. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, wow. and it's true. Like you, granted, is this movie true? There was a revolutionary war. There was a battle of cow pens, which is one of the battles here, and a battle of Camden. But Benjamin Martin was actually based on General Francis Marion, known as a swamp fox, and combination of a guy named Andrew Pickens, Basically, people that either their family has been killed, their estate was torched, and they led the militia against the British army. Hmm. Uh, the villain in this one, Jason Isaacs, plays this amazing... Which if you don't know. I would almost put him on the mountain because he is like the character in the movie. Yeah, he's Lucius Malfoy yes. in Harry Potter. And this is the role where I first saw him, and when I saw him as Lucius Malfoy, I was scared because <laughs> of the role he plays here. It is so evil, but he does it so well. Yeah. Yeah, this movie, it, it gets me. I know it's like more action-adventure type than most war movies? I think I need to give this one another shot because I didn't like it the first time I saw it. Have you only seen it one time? I think I think like one and a half. Like Try it out. It's so dramatized that you'll be maybe a little put off. Yeah. Because you watch a movie like 1917, you're like, oh my gosh, the realism. Then you watch a movie like this, you're like, oh, that's... But that's what opera. it is. That's what yes. it is. You accept it for what it is. Yeah, but I love this movie. So Mel Gibson belongs on the mountain with this movie in particular. Okay. No tri-corner hat, though. Oh, yep, yep. Okay, very good. That's yeah, that's now he's in. Yep. Yeah. Not just the wig. Okay, good. Joel? Um, next up I'm gonna go So first off, you've already put on Robin Williams with Robin a Williams. microphone. What's yeah. next on next, your and monuments? next to Robin Williams, there is going to be well, let's just stay on the Mel Gibson train. Oh, oh okay. I'm do, putting do. I'm putting Braveheart on my personal good. monument. Ooh. I was hoping you would. I really, 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 really like Braveheart. It's one of those movies that it's super long. Like it's hundred and seventy minutes, almost three hours long. 
And yet I remember watching this multiple times. I had two VHS tapes that I watched this on. Yeah, it was on two. You had to plug in the one and then plug in the other one. Uh, by the way, this is the this is from the first war of Scottish independence in 1296 to 1328. Uh, what it's based on, I should say. The synopsis is, when his secret bride is executed for assaulting an English soldier who tried to assault her, William Wallace begins a revolt against King Edward I of England. Starring Mel Gibson, directed by Mel Gibson, and uh, a lot of Mel Gibson. A lot can, of Mel Gibson. Can you movie. give that uh, synopsis again, but with a Scottish accent? Uh, we'll get a Scottish later. <laughs> Uh, rated R for bu- brutal medieval warfare, language, sex, and nudity. But you can find it on Clearplay DVD and streaming and VidAngel as well. If, you if want you're Scottish, it. you're proud about saying that. Yeah. Uh, but this is one came out in 1995, and it was... I mean, it, it did well at the box office. It revitalized epics. It did really well. But yeah. here's the thing. It's the score. Everyone yeah. owned the score. Mercy, the score is so good. James Horner it's good. was inspired. So well done. Now, is it historically accurate? No, not at all. Not uh, at all. It's about as historically accurate as most of these movies we're going to mention. Sure. People Maybe less so. Really? Because people go so hard on this movie and The Patriot. I think it's because it's the Anglophobia they're worried about because both of these movies well, are against the Brits. For example, just one of the major things, they didn't wear kilts. No, not for like 500 years. One historian said that one of the errors is that they said there was wearing they wore the belted plaid uh, by Wallace and his men. And in that period, no Scots wore belted plaids, let alone kilts of any kind. She compared it to a film about a colonial America showing the colonial men wearing 20th century business suits, but with the jackets worn back to front instead of the right way around. Like, it's okay. just the way they wear it and what they're wearing, both wrong. Also, uh, bagpipes had not been introduced to Scotland at this point. And, like, there's a part where Isabella and Braveheart and Braveheart, William Wallace, <laughs> William Wallace. Uh, when they kind of enjoy each other's company. Sure. Yeah. She was basically three year olds and living in France when William Wallace was around. Oh. So they, were, they had no real interaction. And uh, she was not married to Edward II until he was already king. And Edward III was born seven years after William Wallace died. Spoiler alert. But William Wallace did exist. He did exist. And this is all based on a poem uh, by Blind Harry called the the acts and deeds of the Ilstre and valiant companion Sir William Wallace. Oh, boy. But even his poem is not historically accurate. And then Mel Gibson took it a step away from that as well. Yeah. Uh, this was nominated for a, for 10 Academy Awards and won five. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, and Best Makeup, and Best Sound Effects Editing. Brad Pitt was originally supposed to be William Wallace. What? Well, the character is supposed to be in his 20s. Yeah, and uh, he was not. Well, it's funny. I'm glad he wasn't. So Mel Gibson was perfect for Mel, this. Oh, Mel Gibson, he worked out well. Very well. But Mel Gibson, actually, he wanted to do this project, and they said, we'll do it. We'll, uh, this was uh, Warner Brothers said, hey, we'll fund your movie if you agree to do another Lethal Weapon sequel. Oh, really? And he said no, because this was between Lethal Weapon 3 in 1992 and between Lethal Weapon 4 in 1998. Oh, and but he regrets 4, for sure. He probably does. But he actually uh, ended up like you know getting funding elsewhere, and he, he cut corners. Like, for example, to lower costs, he had the same extras dress up in some scenes to portray both armies. It's so like they fill them on one ridge, it's the Scottish people, then they all change the other clothes, get on the other ridge and yell at themselves, which wow, is kind of okay. cool to think about. They also filmed the movie mostly in Ireland. They did. It's <laughs> true. That's so racist. <laughs> now, one thing I found out about this movie is the Battle of Stirling in the movie mm-hmm. is actually known as the Battle of Stirling Bridge. And the real battle is cooler than what they show in the oh, movie. Really? Which th- the movie is so cool, though. It is so cool. But it's a, f- it's a field battle. Yeah. The British come across this bridge and all the Scots are hiding in the trees. Yeah. And just kill them a few at a time. And then the ones that try to swim away drown because their armor's too heavy. Oh, man. It's crazy. Like, I wish that was shown in the movie. 
I bet but you it's, do. But it's a great choice. Kent's like, more blood, more, more drowning. <laughs> but yeah, this is one that I connected to emotionally. Like I've, I've said a couple times, this is a guy's chick flick. Yeah. You talk, you, you talk to any dad out there, <laughs> any middle-aged man out there about Braveheart, and they'll get that tear in their eye and just be like, yes, I remember Braveheart. So yeah, that's on my personal mind. Amazing. Right next to Robin Williams. Okay, so painted face on the mountain. Very good. The half blue face, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to stay with Mel Gibson and go, we were soldiers. No, I'm wow. not. I'm not <laughs> at all. I was like, wow. I just feel like he's in nine war movies. Yeah. Save it for the Mel Gibson show. I'm going to go with, this is kind of a wild card, but it feels so right Tell me. and wrong at the same time. King Leonidas from 300. <laughs> yes, Joel? Kent, that, I have that on mine as well. Whoa, you do? Really? I do. Far away finger boop? Six feet finger boop. <laughs> I feel like this is the most historically accurate uh, depiction what of a war. It? You're right. In our movie. Okay. In our list. No, it really is. So let's talk about the actual reality of this movie. Oh, by the bring, way. Bring it back. Yeah. King Leonidas of Sparta and a force of 300 men fight the Persians at Thermopylae at, in 480 BC. This is based on the Battle of Thermopylae within the Persian Wars around 480 BC. But here's what they got right. They got Leonidas basically right because he was a punk back in the day. The the inaccuracies here is the king before Xerxes, which is like a demon god in the movie. Because mm-hmm. this is based off of Frank Miller's graphic novel, which is based on a, a 300 movie. Spartans movie in 1962, which is based on this historical event. And who brought this one to life? Zack Snyder. Well, there we go. Who did Dawn of the Dead, Watchmen, and Soul Asylum, somebody to, to, to love, the or go- somebody to shove music video. Gahul. You're, that's all you're going to say? So the reality of this one, the real story is there's a king named Darius who preceded Xerxes. Xerxes? Xerxes. We'll say Xerxes. Xerxes. Sure. And so he went to like Athens and Sparta for their surrender, and all of his messengers were actually tossed into pits and wells, just like in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like that was an embellishment, uh, but granted, that was like 20, 30 years before yeah. this movie's meant to take place. Right. And so when Xerxes took over, he went down there and he said, okay, Leonidas, all your countrymen have you know, basically surrendered. It's time for you to, he's like, lay down your arms. And he said, Molon Labi, which is, and he yelled it, obviously, which is, come and take them. So Leonidas yeah. was just this tough, tough guy. Yeah. And then they overemphasize that in the movie where he's drinking all the rock stars in the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Well, he's become such an icon, too. Like Leonidas, I mean, more than just a Jeff. Like you yes. see him all around there. But like that image of, of just King Leonidas. Him like, screaming. He, the way he talks. My intro to this show yes. is based on his performance because it's so iconic. Which is why I think his face on our hills should just be his open mouth screaming this is oh, Sparta. Oh, you're putting his face on there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting his abs. Joel's putting abs on the mountain. It's just abs. <laughs> I'm actually, I love that so much. <laughs> it's your William's face, Braveheart, and then abs. So I saw this movie in the theaters 2006, and this was when I was like, wanted to watch weird stylish movies. This movie should have never worked because it's all filmed on green screen in a studio. Yeah, yeah. blue and, screen back then. Yeah, and somehow... It really did work. Granted, about six months after everyone saw it, they went, oh, 300, okay, that's kind of trash. I think now it's like post-trash. For me it's now, I feel like it's, it's kind of like a resurgence. Like, it's actually kind of fun to watch for the style well, as well. Well, so I, I rented this one. Actually, this is one of the ones when Clean Flicks was around. I was like, yeah, I've wanted to see 300, sure. Yes. And it was amazing how much violence they left in, first of all, for a, an edited movie, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But I was still, it was like glamorized violence. It I shouldn't is. say glamorized. That's not the right word. Stylized. Because there's it's a part, a, it's mostly example. fake blood. Yeah, well, it's it's like cartoonish. Yes, and it's all kind of fake looking. And there's like a part when a guy swings a sword, and you just see a head kind of go, just spin across, like in a beautiful arc across a beautiful sky. 
Yeah. And I was like, what is this movie? But I have not like it's really I haven't stopped thinking about it since then. I'm just like when I see other movies, I'm like, that kind of looks may be like, like the most memorable war movie next to Braveheart. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, especially when you in a modern, you know, more modern context, I, uh, the things that this movie did were uh, visually, especially, were just really amazing. Yes. They did some things with um, speed ramping where it would go slow and then fast and then slow. Yeah, um, yeah. with uh, the, you know the slow motion. I honestly perfection in in so slow well motion. So many times. Kicking off the cliff. Yeah. Kicking off oh, the cliff. So good. There's Sparta uh, fighting in the shade. Them. So and many the music. Cool the music. Yeah. is so anachronistic. <laughs> But it's so cool. And, and once I, again, I want to emphasize we are not going for accuracy. We are going for personal which, preference mountains. Once again, by the way, there was a battle of Thermopylae and it was cutting off at this cliff pass. But there were more than 300 people. There were 300 bodyguards for Leonidas yeah. in this. But there were probably the six, near about 1,500. Well, 7,000 that started. Right. But the ones that died at the end that got trapped, about 1,500 people. That, yeah. And this is one where... But, it, but it's all about military strategy, though. Yes. Like I like the idea of like their numbers are so much more than ours. Let's limit their advantage by making them go through this narrow pass. It's like a smart thing to do. And I yeah. was like, that's brilliant. And of our war movies we mentioned here, this one probably has the most battle. Battle. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so. Uh, by the way, the post-production lasted for a year and was handled by a total of 10 special effects companies. They put a lot of work into making this look unique and it really works. Yeah. I think the look of it, you don't expect it to be historically accurate. No, because it, it feels so stylized. So you put the sort of realism out the do- out the window. It's just not necessary. Yeah, it's like they put this filter on us. So you're automatically going, okay, they're not trying to be real here. No. They're trying to be cool. Yeah, and it worked. I remember seeing the trailer for this prior to a movie that I was seeing, and I the first thing I said aloud in the theater was, oh, "That looks stupid." Oh, and then I saw the movie. This was actually my first big boy movie that I saw in the theater. And wait, what? Two thousand six. It was my first already movie. I saw. He was sixteen. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm young, uh, but it, I loved it. I think I thought it was so so well, well done. Everyone remembers their first R-rated movie. Yeah, well, in theaters. <laughs> there oh, we go. I did want to bring this up too. Speaking of the score, Tyler Bates did it, mm-hmm. but apparently there was striking similarities to other works by other artists to the point where the studio had to come out with a statement saying a number of the music cues for the score 300 were without our knowledge of participation derived from the music composed from the by Academy Award winning composer Elliot Goldenhall for the motion picture Titus. Oh, he ripped off music from the other show and to the point wow. where I think they had to settle after that. They amicably resolved the matter. It's because that's what composers do. They'll actually use other music to kind of inspire well, them. They put on a scratch track or something like that. Yeah, so they can see what it would look like. They call like. them temp tracks and they're actually used for um, storyboard and editing too. Yeah. And a lot of times it's the studios who won't ever take the blame, but it's the studios who are saying, we like this just as it is. Make the music fit. And they basically right. just rewrite that same music. Yeah. Even uh, Hans Zimmer does that. Yeah, to his own music. I yeah. think it was Dan- was it Danny Elfman. I can't remember who said. I saw an interview where they said, "I don't like directors listening to scratch tracks, and that's all they want to hear, and they yeah. want me to write someone else's music." That makes sense. Yeah. This is also the film debut of, of uh, one Michael Fassbender. Yeah, it was. that's right. Yeah, it's his first movie, and it Overrated. catapulted Gerard Butler into stardom. I know. P.S. I, I love you, right? My, well, uh, <laughs> after that, my mind was blown though when I realized that the Phantom of the Opera was the same guy as King Leonidas in 300. Yeah. Blew my mind. Yeah, and he was not good in front of the opera. I've never felt right about my abs ever since. No. Body issues. They're airbrushed. They're airbrushed, I promise. They're not. They're not. They are. They kind of are, but he spent four months in the gym. Oh, I believe they were all ripped and then airbrushed. I spent four months outside a gym at the Wendy's outside the gym. Does that count? I sat next to a guy in the gym once. One ab. There's one ab for that. (laughs) My first job was at a place called Abs 
Closest I ever got. You worked at a place called Abs? I did. It was a burger place. <laughs> that seems counterintuitive, right? Indeed. But I would oh. rather do that than exercise. So, Joel, you're saying that one of yours was also 300. Yes. So, so I pounced on yours, so we'll go right back to you. Yes. Yeah, so okay, let's go so to go me on this one. This is I'm your actually, third. I had a definite choice until I rewatched it today, and it wasn't as much about the war as it was training. And my honor, I'm going to throw an honorable mention out there. Is that okay? Meh. Okay. Sure. Uh, Tom Cruise in The Last Samurai. Oh. I really, really enjoyed this movie. It's beautiful. It is kind of boring. But it is kind of boring. Yeah. And there's really it's only a, a he is a Civil War Civil War captain and there's only a battle at the end of the movie so I'm like I'm going to scratch that. But like we said it doesn't have to be battle it's strictly on right. the battlefield. As long as the war is a prominent presence or character in the movie yes. we can include it. Did you say you watched this today? Do you watch it today? Does it hold up? Yeah. Like culturally you watched Last Samurai today or your choice? It actually holds up better than the okay. We're going to talk about Last Samurai real quick which isn't my choice. Nah. The title, The Last Samurai, and having Tom Cruise on the poster, this would never get made today. Yeah. But the movie. You mean it, The Great Wall? Right. Starring Matt Damon? But the movie oh. itself is actually really sensitive because okay. The Last Samurai doesn't mean Tom Cruise. No. It means the people he's with. Okay. And he actually learns from them. He's like re educated into their culture. And it's actually very, very sensitive. Just like James about Bond, the topic. you only live twice. Oh, I guess it no. is. No, 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 no. <laughs> hey, I love that one. Um, the Last Samurai is uh, plural then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Samurai yeah. is plural for samurai. My choice is Kingdom of Heaven. So this I is 2005. Yeah, the director's cut, right? Is what the saying? director's cut. Because so, I still haven't seen because you and Jacob have been singing your praises for years now. And in fact, I discovered this one because of Jake, because in 2005, I saw the Ridley Scott movie with Orlando Bloom. And it was, was terrible. Like, oh, pretty boy playing in the Crusades. Mm -hmm. Right. And so his name is Balian of Ibelin. That was actually my band's name in college. Balian of Ibelin. <laughs> no, no. Uh, pretty boy playing in the Crusades. <laughs> what kind of music did you guys play? Chimes. <laughs> Just chimes. A whole chime band. Yeah. They Ch loved chime us. on. Old ladies loved they us. They loved us? Yeah. Old ladies and dogs loved us. <laughs> oh, they are pretty. <laughs> so he travels to Jerusalem during the Crusades of the 12th century, and there he finds himself as the defender of the city and its people. So I'm going back to the Crusades on this one. And this movie, I think it has probably in the 30s on Rotten Tomatoes originally. It's not well regarded, and I think it's bad. So have you seen the director's But cut? I haven't. No. So watch the Snyder cut because it is so good. <laughs> He's doing everything these Every, days. <laughs> the Ridley cut. Huh? Snyder just means director now. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Sorry, movie bloggers. That's the way it's going to be. <laughs> Actually, so let me give you a little bit of backstory before I talk about the real Crusades and who these characters were. There's an executive who is the worst executive of all time. His name is Tom Rothman. He once ran Fox. That's my uncle. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> so sorry. And now he runs Sony. For some reason, he keeps getting jobs. And what he has done... Joel, I'll start with this. He canceled Firefly when he worked for Fox. What? Burn him. Burn my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> he rushed X-Men 3 into production and made no. them kill off actors who didn't have the schedules planned. James Marston. He forced a tone change for X-Men Origins Wolverine, basically ruined that. He said Titanic and Avatar would fail and wanted them to. Cool. Also, he changed the tone of Daredevil and said no one would believe oh. Galactus or Sentinels. They don't, people don't like big rob robots, so don't put them in Fantastic Four or X-Men movies. <sighs> And now he's over the Spider-Man franchise, which is a little worrisome. And I say this How because... How does this guy still have a job? I don't know. Ridley Scott came to them, to the studio, and he said, I have this movie about the Crusades. It's 194 minutes. And the studio said, cut out 45 minutes, well, you got a movie. And he's like, please no. In fact, he's disavowed the theatrical cut. Hmm. Because you watch the theatrical cut, and it's jumbled. Yeah. It is ridiculous. And it's not a good movie. And then you watch the long one, and yeah, it's over three hours. But watch the long version. It's actually well, a tier one war movie. We've said this point. before on Bacon Sale. 
a lot of people scoff at any movie that's, you know, over two hours. Yes. And then they'll binge watch a whole season of The Office. Mm -hmm. And they're like, cool with that. And I'm like, it's the same basic principle. It's just time you're willing to invest in a story. Yeah. The problem is people don't feel like they can pause between or skip to credits or something like that. But don't be afraid. A lot of these movies we're talking about are going to be long. Don't be afraid of long movies as long as they're well told. Well, and it's, this is an investment. If you are okay with war movies, and by the way, the battle scenes in this movie are incredibly epic. Okay. And, uh, you know, when people say epic now, it holds no weight. Nobody cares about the word Literally epic. Literally epic. Because it's like, I got a burger the other day. It was epic. It was from Wendy's. It's like really got its head cut off and it was spinning across the screen. It's a weird Wendy's. <laughs> Speed ramp and snap zoom. But the... <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird Wendy's. <laughs> but these movies are meant to be epic. That yes. is why they were created. It, the, it is a genre. The war epic. The war, I mean, Even the romantic epic. Anytime you put epic in a movie, it basically means large and spanning through time. Yes. Or large in scale. And so it's going to be long. It's going to be big. That's yes. what the whole point of these movies are. So the accuracy of this movie is there was there were crusades. And there were a lot of crusaders who went over to defend Jerusalem. Except for they basically pull a brave heart when the main character has a relationship with the queen to be. Ah. Which never happened in real right, life, right, and of course. even this this guy did exist, Balian of Ibelin, but he didn't. He wasn't all that significant. He was mm. just in the army. Yeah, but this is a fantastic movie. Somehow, Orlando Bloom pulls it off. So definitely watch it if you have the time. Which one of the characters ends up guarding the Holy Grail, waiting for Indiana Jones? Oh yeah, that is Simon. Simon. Simon Templar. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Choose wisely. Belmont. <laughs> yeah. All right. So your third is who are you putting on the? Is Orlando Bloom? Orlando Bloom, yes. Is he, is he doing that or face he, on the Or cover? Eva Green, because she's in the movie, too. And I mean... No, don't put Eva Green in your personal money. That's just weird. Eva Green is... Is it? Is it? I know you're you'll, you'll abs, make it weird. You're putting abs on your mountain. They're going to be tasteful. That's a very <laughs> tasteful different personal abs? monument. Tasteful abs. <laughs> Tasty? No. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Joel. What happened? Joel, let's finish up your personal monument with your fourth choice. All right, I'm going to bring the room down a bit. Because I wanted to throw in a wild card here because I feel like, and this is just me. Leonidas was not a wild card? No, this is a little wilder. Uh, because I feel like for just me, I'm very focused on kind of American-centric or Eurocentric wars. Okay. And so I wanted to get outside of that and put something on there that represented a war outside of that, my, my point of view here. And so I actually picked 2004's Hotel Rwanda. Oh, Interesting wow. choice. So this was one, uh, this is based on the Rwandan Civil War, which was 1990 to 1994. There's two groups of people here, the Hutus and the Tutsis. And they're a warring, like, it, it, they weren't tribes. I think this is a civilized kind of thing going on here. Mm -hmm. But then they, the, the Hutus felt that the Tutsis were kind of taking over and they were the cause for all their problems. So they started this genocide of this people. Now, I found about this in college. We actually read about uh, this whole true story, and then we watched the movie. And I had like this kind of eye-opening experience of just like, oh my gosh, like they had this horrible, brutal civil war happening in this country, and I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, the synopsis, uh, I'm not going to say his name right. Paul Rasusa Bagina was a hotel, hotel manager who housed over a thousand Tutsi refugees during their struggle against the Hutu militia in Rwanda. And this is rated PG-13 uh, for violence, uh, disturbing images, and brief, strong language. It stars Don Cheadle as the main character, as Paul. And they came out in 2005. But it really is, it's heartbreaking. The civil war that happens, just because these two sites don't agree, they, the ones that are kind of, there were the Hutu people that were 85% of the population, and Tutsis were like 14% of the population. 
and they just started persecuting them and killing a lot of them. And then Paul, the, the hotel owner, he had, he owned this kind of like upscale hotel. It's like a sanctuary. Uh, yeah, it was like it was called the Hotel de Mille. It's French, Hotel de Mille Collines. Nope. No, I screwed that you up. You said his name right. I did, Paul. Yes. So then he, what he did is he started kind of like these people that needed help started coming to his hotel and he hid them. And then more people came in and he hid them and he was bribing people to keep these people safe inside this hotel and it being about 1,200 people that he saved. This is like refugees from overburdened refugee camp, the Red Cross, various orphanages. They were just piling people in there and sadly over 1 million people died Yikes. during this civil war, during this genocide as they called it. And it's horrible to watch. It is heartbreaking. I can't believe I didn't remember this one when I was thinking about the movies that made us cry in that episode. And yet this movie just was so powerful that I thought, I need to put that on my personal monument as well because it did kind of made me realize that war and strife isn't limited to like the great powerful nation. Because Rwanda's a tiny country in Mm -hmm. Africa. And yet something so uh, horrible happened there. This war happened there that it kind of just, you know, maybe realize it that. sometimes takes a movie to make you realize what's actually happening out exactly. there. Exactly. And once again, not 100% historically accurate. In okay. fact, there's some people that dispute the claims that are being made in this movie. But so I, you're saying 300 is more accurate than Hotel Rwanda. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. It's slow yeah. motion. So it's it's going my, my it's going to be John Cheadle's John face Cheadle. in there. Yeah, just as playing Paul. Like, just keep that one respectful. We'll do the abs on Leonidas. <laughs> this is actually a movie that originally was giving an, given an R rating, mm-hmm. but the producers appealed, and it was actually uh, brought to a PG-13 without any editing or, or yeah. changes made. So serious content, maybe yeah. children in peril. Well, because, yeah. oh, not, yeah. Well, yeah, but there's this horrifying scene. I don't know if I want to get into a big so It's pretty dark. I haven't seen the movie. Well, okay, so basically, I, I'm sorry, this may, children may not want to hear this part. Uh, I'm not going to get explicit, but there's a part when they're driving in this dense fog and they're trying to get to this other place and the road gets really rough. And he's like, we're off road. You've gone off the trail. We need to get back on the trail. And so he gets out of the car and realizes, no, they're on the trail, but there are bodies littering the road. Yeah. And it was one of the most horrifying moments in the movie for me when I was like, there's just so many people dead. So many people killed senselessly. So it's it's not an action movie. This isn't one that, you know, you're going to pop, you know, eat popcorn while you're enjoying watching no, the cool action yeah. sequences. But it's a civil war that is horrifying. Is this the most depressing one on your list? On both yes. lists? Is, is it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's say yes. Okay. Close to, if not. Yeah. Y- yeah. After each of these movies, you may need to watch something happy because these rarely end well. Yeah. So there you go. Mine's Hotel Rwanda. There's my monument. Woo. That's a heavy monument. Yeah. At least you got abs on there. Abs. So my fourth one is Maximus Decimus Meridius from Gladiator from the year 2000. Okay. If you haven't seen this movie, go watch it. But a former Roman general sets out to exact vengeance against the corrupt emperor who murdered his family and sent him into slavery. Once again, another Ridley Scott movie. I hate to do it, but he's so good at this kind of stuff. You love Ridley Scott. I, mm, half, half, half you and half. Mary Ridley Scott. Boy, he has. I want to marry half of You want him Scott. to do the Snyder cut? <laughs> <laughs> oh, his lows are low. His lows are really his highs low. are high. Yes. So starring Russell Crowe, the role that made him just launch into superstardom, mm-hmm. uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Connie Nielsen, among others. This one was nominated for 11 Oscars, won Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Costume Design, Best Sound, and Best Visual Effects. This one not only has a great hero, but a great villain in Commodus. In Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is so in his thumbs. awful in, the, in his thumbs. The Roger Ebert thumbs. Oh, th- up, up or down? I was yeah. like, does he have toe thumbs? <laughs> yeah, no. Joaquin Phoenix has toe thumbs. Don't, don't spread that rumor. It's now on Wikipedia. He'll find us. <laughs> oh, no. You saw Joker, right? I stopped drinking milk. He'll it's stop fine. talking about milk. <laughs> milk finger. 
And so, <laughs> milk finger. Milk thumb. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix has milk thumbs. This is another one, Kent, where I feel like I need to give another shot because I didn't like I it. I always wondered why you don't, because we talked about this on previous shows. Yeah. Obviously, Gladiator is that kind of movie. I would even say it's on the level of Braveheart as far as war. And I felt go. it was a poor imitation of Braveheart when yeah, I first saw it. you said that. And I, I've never Same with the Patriot. Why. I don't know why I put I put I put Braveheart Patriot, on, this I understand. on this monument even. Yes. And then these other two movies came along and I'm like, you're good, but eh. no, wait, when did Patriot come out? Uh, 2000. And then Patriot, this came out yeah, 2000. Right. These are probably both black hole movies, too. Yeah, they were. So meaning I, I wasn't in the country when they came out. Yeah. But the story is definitely not accurate. I mean, there is Marcus Aurelius and he had a son named Commodus, but there's a whole murder plot there which didn't exist. Maximus didn't exist at all. There which were, war is this, though? Uh, this is the Germanic Wars. So this is Rome basically growing its empire. So the movie begins with that battle, which is so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack, once again, like Braveheart... This is a great soundtrack. Hands is down. so compelling. And so it starts off with that war, and then Marcus Aurelius is like, hey, we won. Maximus says, can I go home? He says, no, I want you to be the guardian. The guardian of Rome. Commodus isn't too happy. He's sent into slavery. And... What happens then? It becomes a gladiator movie, much like we've seen in many movies in Hollywood's history. Mm-hmm. Some even, maybe even bigger than this. Right. Yeah. Maximus is such a great hero. Everything about this is beautiful. Even the first time I saw the ending, I was like, oh, dang it. But it really is a beautiful experience. Okay. Like so there it. are personal monuments. Once again, my personal monument was Good Morning Vietnam, 300, Hotel Rwanda, and Braveheart, of course. Represented by... Oh, represented by, it's going to be Robin's with the microphone, abs, uh, Don Cheadle's face, and then Mel Gibson's face. Yeah, mine is Mel Gibson's face, Benjamin Martin. We have King Leonidas from 300. We have Balian from Kingdom of Heaven and Maximus from Gladiator. I probably should say William Wallace and not uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah, yeah, it's William Wallace. (laughs) Yeah. They actually made a William Wallace statue in Scotland Mm -hmm. and people hated it. So they were like attacking, like attack with a hammer and stuff like that. So then they had to put a cage around the the monument each night. It's a stone monument, and people were like, "That's stupid. It makes it look like he's imprisoned." Yeah, so they had to defeat the purpose. It. Yeah, they ended up getting rid of it. All right, so we're going on uh, to national. Those are personal favorites. That brings us your personal. So there was um, maybe some some scrutiny, maybe some agreement. Yeah. But now there's going to be a little bit of a debate because I need you gentlemen to convince me what is going to go on that national monument. Okay. And if you have some agreement. Don't be afraid to give each other a little pat on the back and say you did a good job, but let's see what you got. I'll go first. Please do. I am Spartacus from okay. 1960. Spartacus so starring Kirk, Kirk Douglas. It's a good choice. Directly, directed by Stanley Kubrick. But what war? What war? It's actually the Third Serville War. Ah, what it's called. You did the research too. Yeah. I didn't write it down. I'm like, wait, what was that? Yeah. I think you're right. I feel like I was in uh, school all of a sudden. Yeah. Homeschool. 73 to 71 B.C. And so the slave Spartacus leads a violent revolt against the decadent Roman Republic. Uh, This also stars Laurence Olivier, Tony Curtis, and Peter Ustinov. And in this movie, like, it's actually a really sweet movie. There's like a romance in it, which feels like an old Hollywood love story kind of thrown in the middle there. Mm -hmm. And then also some gladiator games. And of course, the big cursed battles that happened at the end. Mm -hmm. This is not a happy-go-lucky sort of movie. Most of these aren't. (laughs) Yeah. This one isn't as downtrodden. As Hotel Rwanda, I feel right. like that's the new bar. That's the new sad bar. Yeah. But I, I this one, I think it is the most well-known look of Kirk Douglas. What I about him and Oscar? 20,000 what, what leagues, about, man. What about him and Oscar? <laughs> but even that scene where everyone stands up for him, they say, we'll let you all live 
if you tell us where Spartacus is. And he's sitting right there front row. And then he's about to stand up and say, take me. And everyone says, I'm Spartacus. I'm Zorro. Oh, wait. I'm, no, different movie. Yeah. I'm Spartacus. And it's an emotional scene. And Kirk Douglas is crying there. And you're like, that's good stuff right it's there. It's a good movie. This yeah. is one that got talked up to me a lot. And I was like, yeah, it's not going to be that good. And I watched it. I'm like, no, oh, it's actually pretty good. It's a very long movie, very much long. like these all are. And I feel like it deserves a spot because it's number 81 on AFI. That's the American Film Institute. Their top 100 film list of all time. He was ranked number 22 on the AFI Heroes and Villains list. And I just feel like that that chiseled chin needs to be on the national monument, a giant chiseled face of Kirk Douglas, Hollywood legend. And he's in so many great movies, a lot of World War II films. But for Spartacus, I think that's where he deserves to be. This is a Stanley Kubrick Kubrick movie, and he hates this movie. He doesn't hate it. Well, he's dead, so... (laughs) He hates hates all his movies. (laughs) He actually said it was... I was watching an interview that Spielberg gave, and he said... Kubrick and I have talked a lot because he was a name dropper. Yeah. Kubrick and I have talked a lot about Spartacus and he doesn't like it as much because he feels like it's too studio influenced. Okay. And he goes, but this, there are some scenes of dialogue in that movie that are just unforgettable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this that's true. This is like one of those movies that I think probably the only ones that Kubrick made that he had any limiting factors. Yeah, because then he started to go really weird about right, 10 years right. after we'll this. We'll save it for him. Spartacus. <laughs> so good. That thing you do. Um, hey, yeah, thank you. All right, Joel, what's your what's your submission? Well, I'm going to the Civil War this time, gentlemen, with a movie I feel like captures the heart of the Civil War. It's Wild Wild West. Um, <laughs> I, I'm in. I like this movie no, more than no, most. No, 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 So no. Mount Rushmore has spider legs. Yes, exactly. Yes, big spider half legs. Half of, uh, what's his name? Yeah, I can't Kevin Branagh. Yes, Kevin Branagh. Don't you just hate that song. Did you just quote Wild Wild West? I like it more than most. But that's not what I picked. <laughs> I actually picked Glory, 1989. Wow. Robert Gouldshaw leads the U.S. Civil War's uh, first all-black volunteer company, fighting prejudices from both his own Union Army and the Confederates. This is directed by Edward Zick, who did Legends of the Fall and The Last Samurai. And this one, uh, like I said, Matthew Broderick is kind of the, the, the colonel who's put in charge of this regiment of these all-black soldiers. Mm-hmm. But then you get like Denzel Washington and Andre, Andre Brower, uh, Captain Holt from uh, Brooklyn yeah. Nine's in it, and Morgan Freeman. Like, when you say Denzel's a star of the show, he is, he's, the, he, he's the stand-up performance. But what I see it is kind of the regiment, like kind of all together, like one of those oh, monuments of them. You get one face. No. Choose a face. I got a, I got face. a, I got a uh, flying saucer destroying a White House last time. You did? Yeah. For the summer movie one? Yeah. Those are Jake rules. You get one face, Joel. <laughs> you get one face. That's probably going to be Denzel. Den- yeah, it's got to be Denzel. Because uh, I don't really that's want that's Matthew the right Broderick on the thing. Yeah. Mustachioed <laughs> Matthew weird Broderick. Matthew, well, that, and this thing is like, my experience with Matthew Broderick was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And then I saw him in this, and I'm like, that's not Ferris Bueller. This one actually didn't fare very well at the box office. Budget was $18 million and it made $27 million. That's it? Yeah. But this became one that I think it grew in popularity because schools were showing it. I remember being in school and having to have my parents sign a permission slip saying I could watch this movie because it was R-rated because of war violence. Yeah. And uh, it was really kind of heartbreaking to watch this movie because if you don't know, the battle does not go well at the end. Right. It's this amazing, amazing show of bravery for these people who were basically kicked around like they were nothing. And yet they fought for our country and were able to kind of, you know, at least distract the enemy for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those movies that kind of had a big impact on me. When I think of war movies, I almost always think of this one. Once again, great score. Oh, amazing score. Yeah. And uh, this one, by the way, has the unique distinction of having the same exact Rotten Tomato score on both audience and critic score, 93%. So both audience and critics agree, glory should be on the monument. Rotten Tomatoes didn't exist back then. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know when this movie was made? The people didn't exist. The people didn't exist. The people that did the war didn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, so Zach, we're going to go through eight of these options, by the way, and you can really justify your answers. Like, I don't know if you want us to go through all eight and then you pick the four. You can immediately green light them or you can put a pin in them. Because I honestly would say, based on these two choices... Both are great. If I had to pick between these two, mm-hmm. I will say I'm I'm leaning more toward glory just because of the, I think that for our history and growing up uh, and my personal influence, I, I think it kind of speaks to that a little bit more. Because it's, it's, it's a story of a civil war between uh, North and the South and also racial war. But if I may, 1960, those couple decades, 60s and sure. 70s, war movies were huge. huge. War epics were huge. Yep. And so Spartacus is one of those that does find a way stand, to stand out. out. Yep, you're yeah. right. You're right. All right. So what's what's your next one, Kent? My next one, we've mentioned it before, so I'm not going to go into crazy detail, but it belongs there because, like I said, it revitalized war epics. It's William Wallace. I believe William Wallace's face, which is why I chose Benjamin Martin for my personal one, because William Wallace's face deserves to be on a national monument. Inaccuracies aside, this movie is just so gosh darn entertaining. So good. And it makes you emotional and it makes you hate the bad guys, root for the good guys. Like it is such a Hollywoodized version, but it does its job in spades so well. That's why it's also on my national monument. I okay. put it in both. So we can totally agree this, on this that. Is a, uh, this should be a green light. I absolutely was going to yes. say it's going on there. So sure. it's lifting the kilt and mooning? Is no, that what's on the monument? neither one of those. <laughs> I would say Mel Gibson's face with blue stripe makeup. Or at least you can Absolutely. see the contour. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that, that should be on the menu. We Given both agree. That's also, national monument. this was in theaters for a year. And yeah. I know back then, like in the 90s, that was when there started to be about four to five months of release. And then it started to go down after that. But a solid year. This is a phenomenon. Because people get going to see it. It's, it's a really, it's a classic. My next one, this is the only carryover that I have for my personal mountain. Just because I know Joel will disagree because you don't like it very much. But I do believe that Maximus deserves to be on there. With the mask that he wore from Gladiator, are you not entertained? That it looks a cool image. It's a cool movie. Everything about it, him turning his back on the emperor. That one, like I said, it was a great time. That five year span from Braveheart to Gladiator, like these movies come in two packs because they're like these are movies you need in your house. Hmm. These are basically when you buy a home, you get those two movies on DVD, but not Blu-ray. <laughs> like. They belong there. They deserve to be seen by everyone. This is what should be watched by every student who watches Glory at that point. I wonder if they still watch movies like that in school now. I don't know. Or if they're maybe a little too insensitive because they were made at a time when there wasn't a lot of political correctness. I don't know. But this is a great story. And granted, I know I have Spartacus. And that is, I mean, I'll play my hand here. I think Spartacus kind of set the precedent for the Swords and Sandals epic. But Maximus perfected it. Uh, ben Hur would like to have a word with you. Oh, uh, boom. <laughs> Listen, biblical epic. We're saving that for another show. Okay. <laughs> Save our biblical, biblical epic <laughs> We've show. talked about that before, actually. But I would say, like, having those two side by side would be great. But, yeah, I would say maybe Spartacus over Maximus. But I would like them both on the National Monument because both movies are just so dang good. Okay. Joel? I do like Gladiator. All right. I know Vietnam War movies are kind of grim. But Woo. I decided to pick one. Here we go. Monument because I felt you like it was deserved. You went two totally. Vietnam War movies. In my personal Nash. and the national. You can't pick MASH. Uh, no, I'm actually going to pick Kong That's Skull Vietnam. Island. <laughs> 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 well, the, you're going to put Brie Larson there, right? Yes, holding a camera. Uh, no, <laughs> I chose... This is a movie I don't like that much, but I, I respect 
it's filmmaking. I'm choosing Apocalypse Now. I also chose Apocalypse Now. Did you? Totally. Okay, and good. and it's it's a good choice. It should be on there, and I think it should be Colonel Kurtz's face. So you face. don't like this movie? No. Well, I, okay, I shouldn't say don't like it. I don't love it because I watch it, and I'm like, wow, that was really crazy so, and drug trippy, but it's, it's sin- The synopsis craft. is, and this, by the way, this movie's in three parts, and we'll explain that, but a U.S. Army officer serving in Vietnam is tasked with assassinating a renegade Special Forces colonel who sees himself as a god. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who did Peggy Sue Got Married and Captain EO. <laughs> Don't say that. What? That's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. And The Godfather and The Godfather by doing The right. Godfather thing. The cast in this one is amazing. We have Martin Sheen, Marlon Brando, Robert Duvall, and Dennis Hopper in this one. Lawrence so you Fishburne, say Harrison Ford. Yeah. You say Kurtz should be on the mountain. Marlon I think Brando. Kurtz. I, I think Marlon Brando Kurtz, like with his with his bald head, like sweat coming down. The horror. The horror. I think it should either be. See, now we're going to argue about whose face should be on it. Yeah. Martin Sheen coming out of the mud. Ooh. That's a good thing. Or. Robert Duvall in this movie for the seven minutes he's there, him just standing uh, there as Kilgore. bombs are Love going the off. Smell of napalm in the morning. Him wearing that straight that yeah. straight hat. It is. It's such a great character. There's he doesn't flinch when bombs are going off. There's striking imagery in and this movie. They, okay, so in this filmmaking, they were really napalming sections of the jungle. What a time. We just CG now in, they in all these movies. really yeah. slaughtered a water buffalo on screen. Wait, that was real? That was real. I was oh. actually horrified because I watched this the other night again. Oh, God. And I was like, was that fake? Please bless. No, that's fake. The water buffalo was slaughtered by, with a machete for the climactic scene in a ritual performed by a local tribe. And the uh, uh, Humane Society gave this a, a unapproved rating. It's a horrible, it horrible thing to see. It is. But thematically, it fits with the assassination attempt. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. And this is loosely based on the 1899 novella Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. Weird. Which I enjoyed the novella. You did not. I did. You've read that yes, and enjoyed that I unironically. Did. But It's one is, of the hardest books I've ever read. It's not an easy read. But right. it's one of those where I really kind of got into it. And watching this, I see where the structure is. But they definitely stray from that formula. It's crazy that they pulled that really dark story and made that about Vietnam. Well, like it really does. It was fit. about the it was 19th century Congo, mm-hmm. and they pulled that over to Vietnam, and it worked. So this movie is in three parts. Like I said, the first 45 minutes, and by the way, watch the two and a half hour version, not the three and a half hour version. The well, re- so, Redux. So they had the theatrical release, yes, and then they released the the really long version, mm-hmm. and then they like in 2019, I think it was, they cut it back. Was it 2019? 2000, yeah, April 2019. Yeah, the final cut, the 40th anniversary one. That's the one that's like you probably should see. Yeah. So first 45 minutes, you have Vietnam War, and it feels more real than anything. Like, it is the best depiction, best visual depiction of the Vietnam War. I wasn't there, but it feels so grim. And then all of a sudden, it's a river journey in the middle third. Yep. And then for the final part, it is this strange part where we have this weird death spot. Can I say something, though? Sure. I feel like this film would have been better had everyone on the set not been high. Because everyone was high. There's stories. There's actually a documentary about this, and it's called Heart of Darkness. Yeah, there's a whole thing about how the production was just troubled, whether it be from a typhoon coming in and wrecking all their sets to uh, Marlon Brando just not showing up and not being there and then showing up and being insanely overweight from when they shot before. Mm -hmm. And uh, Martin Sheen getting drunk and breaking his hand on a mirror. Like, there's so many different Having a heart attack. Yeah, having a heart attack. Yeah. And they didn't want to slow down production, so he just kept going. It was like a cursed set. But I feel like the storytelling, like they could have shaved off easily a lot more time off this, but they have these weird kind of psychedelic sequences. And I'm like, that's because someone behind the camera was high and they could have tightened it up a bit more. I feel sure. But they created a a beautiful but awful movie. 
Yeah. I and respect only awful meaning it's hard to watch. I respect the filmmaking. Yes. I'm just not it's not one day elevate is like this is amazing and I love it. But here's the question. Martin Sheen in the Mud or uh, Marlon Brando? I think Martin Sheen in the Mud is only cool if you actually have it rising, like if the statue is actually going up and down from we the mud. Or if it's partially in up. there. It's chin up. It's then he's going to be like a foot mud. below everyone else? Yeah, because, you know, or half below everyone else. Kind of like on Mount Rushmore, how um, who's hidden on the... On the come, on, on, come on, Who's get, hidden? Yeah. It is... Because they broke the... Had to go recess it a bit. Yeah. I think if you do it, if you do the head in the mud, yeah. it would go. Yeah, it's it the head in the cool. mud for sure. Yeah, yeah. If it's abs can be on a mountain, pretty sure. Oh, of course it's Roosevelt. Yeah. Why is he on there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> questioning the real Mount Rushmore. Fathers. Maybe we should have a show about you know creating an actual Mount Rushmore. Yeah, but look at Kurtz. Look at Colonel Kurtz. Look at Marlon Brando's Colonel Kurtz. Who wants Marlon he, Brando's face on there? His bald head is on the poster. Superman does. No, he's barely in Superman. Christopher Reeve hated him in <laughs> Superman. All right, so we both agree Apocalypse yeah, Now. Apocalypse Now. So, so far so, we have Braveheart and Apocalypse Braveheart Now and Apocalypse are cemented now in. They're are chiseled sure. yes. on there. I've already, I'm tap, tap, tapping away right now. And then on the docket, what do we have on the docket? So there's Spartacus. So Kirk Douglas and Spartacus, uh, Denzel and Glory, uh, and then uh, Maximus Decimus Meridius from Gladiator. Uh, and then that's whatever you have next, Joel. At this point, Kent, you have made your pitch for what the national would look like. Correct. So I'm one here, Joel's last pick. One more, Joel. I chose one uh, based in the Iraq War. I wanted to go a little more modern. Okay. I chose Iron Man. I was on you a summer blockbuster. I went back here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It definitely has Iraq War and stuff in the beginning, though. Um, anyway, no, Iron I, Man helmet. when you think of war epics, gentlemen, you are not going to find a better pick for this monument than Gone with the Wind, 1939. A huh? whole, the whole movie has the backdrop of the Civil War. And it is one of those movies where the Civil War is an ever-present presence in the entire movie. I remember there's one scene where uh, Scarlet's walking out into this field and you see kind of an injured soldier. And then it pans up and you see more injured soldiers. And it pans up, you see even more. It's an amazing, it's, it's a mind-boggling amount of uh, extras, honestly, because they did not have CGI back then. And they're all kind of moaning and groaning and they're all injured. Because this takes place... In the South, in Georgia, I think it was filmed in real time. Yeah, it, it was just oh, so can't complain about long movies. You want to talk about a <laughs> this is cut? the longest movie on the list. This is two hundred and thirty-eight minutes if you get it with overture, intermission, and tract and exit music. Mercy. And this is directed by Victor Fleming, who did he just got done with the Wizard of Oz. In fact, he was still working on the Wizard of Oz when he started working on this movie. Mm-hmm. And this was one that has an MPA rating of past because P A S S E D because there was no. Oh, it's like you're in school and you're like kind of mediocre and you get a passing grade. Yeah. Uh, The synopsis, by the way, a manipulative woman and a roguish man conduct a turbulent romance during the American Civil War and Reconstruction periods, starring Vivian Leigh, Clark Gable, and a bunch of people you probably don't remember. Uh, This movie, by the way, had a budget of $3.85 back then, Mm -hmm. which is about $71 now, which is not a lot for a movie. But it made 100 times its money back. It's insane. So, and well, and differing accounts, it made 390 million at the box office. But if you adjust that for inflation, some places say that's 3.4 billion. Yeah. Some people say that's 7 billion. If you think about it, the highest grossing movie right now, Avengers, is like 2.7. So it still has not surpassed this movie, even adjusted for inflation. Do you know, what, else, do you know what other movie made 100 times back its budget? What? Insidious. <laughs> this is basically the Insidious Award. But this movie. is literally the highest grossing movie of all time, adjusted for inflation. 
No movie beats this one. I wonder if you ask people on the street, though, like what time period, like what is happening around the events where Clark Gable meets Scarlett O'Hara, the actor and the character, and people wouldn't know. They would know. This whole thing is a you, Civil War you epic. You would know. Would it's people know? It's a Civil War epic. It's an Dude, amazing does film. Does it actually bring attention to that based on a, maybe when you saw this 25 years ago? Like, do you remember? I actually saw this War? for the first time when my, my wife and I were dating because it was her DVD and she let me borrow it. And I yeah. watched it for the first time and I was brought it back and I was like, that was really good. And then we kissed. Um, <laughs> Whoa. It's almost like you had an agenda. <laughs> no, but I like this movie. I really do like this movie. And it is such an amazing film when you go back and watch it. Now, the whole point is like they're the Confederates and mm-hmm. their lives keep getting erupted by the Civil War. People keep having to go to war. Some people come back. And Scarlet's the don't. worst. Scarlet is the worst. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people realize how terrible she is. I just hit my nose on my microphone because of how bad she is. <laughs> the actress, no. Vivian Lee is yes. really good in it. Yeah. But the character is just... Oh. Uh, received 10 Academy Awards and it won a bunch as well. And it won Best Picture. Best Director, Best Adapted Spleenplay, Best Actress, and Best Supporting Actress. Did you say Spleenplay? Spleenplay. <laughs> it's uh, better than a screenplay because they write it with their spleens. Aww. Ouch. Uh, this is, I mean, it's been placed at the top 10 of American Film Institute's The 100 American Films. This is one of those films that is so iconic. And it, it revolves around the Civil War and shows a very human side to people affected by that word on the South, which is an unusual point of view. It's true. If you were to pick one Civil War movie to represent On the Mountain, Glory, or Gone with the Wind. And this is what you That's both Zach's have choice. done. You both Not have mine. done this to me. Joel, you are presenting. I have swords and sandals. You are presenting Civil War. Civil War and you're presenting swords and sandals. So I think, you know, I, I, I like what you're saying. I think if we're making, by the way, who are you putting on the, on the mountain? Clark Gable? Uh, it's going to be Clark Gable cradling Scarlet. And they're going to have like no, this mountain is too face. crazy. You, you, what is wrong? It's a mountain. Half, it's a half a face and a half a face. So you're giving me a whole face. Two half the faces or an entire regimen. <laughs> the person building your mountain will never finish. <laughs> Guys, I just want to say this, that the sale, 60 million ticket sales when this came out, which was equivalent to under just under half the population at the time. Half the population went to go see this movie. What, what else did they yeah, have to yeah, do? What other movie was there? And it was in theaters for like a year. Wizard of Oz? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're great, Joel. And I've really enjoyed our time here. You don't like Gone with the Wind? No. What? Because I don't think it's representative of a war movie. It Everything is. else we've talked about. You're going to say, you want to look up at a mountain, and it's got William Wallace and King Leonidas and Clark Gable. Yes. Come on. <laughs> because the it mustache, revolves though. around the, the whole. The Civil War is like oppressing the relationship. No. No. Way. I feel good about Denzel. Denzel is a great choice. Denzel is a fantastic choice, and Glory is a wonderful movie. Okay, I'm sorry I picked a movie before 1970. I know, none of mine are. Well, one of them are. You're going to go to bat for a 1960 movie, though. Yeah, so have you picked then? Are you picking of Joel's choices? I think uh, of the four available to me, which once again are uh, Denzel's face in Glory, Clark Gable's face from Gone with the Wind, Kirk Douglas's face from Spartacus, and uh, uh, what's his name? Maximus. What Maximus Decimus Meridius? What's Didn't his name? Even know. Russell Crowe. Russell There's Crow's been a face. lot of names thrown out. Russell Crowe in Gladiator. Of, of those choices, I my uh, easy Zach, you're pick making from the there, final picks. My easy pick from there is Glory. I think it's a fantastic pick. Yes, I think it's got to go on the wall. Okay, the I'm monument, fine with that. The and I will, but I will, I will take your glory, and I will tell you. That it's not Gone with the Wind either. So it brings it down to Spartacus uh, and Gladiator. None of us mentioned uh, Hawkeye from Last of the Mohicans. Another great score. Another great movie. Really? Uh, great score. What? That was from the French and Indian War, by the way. You know my feelings on Last of the Mohicans. Great score. I had that for great score, mediocre movie. Oh, wow. Hurts my heart. 
Wow. There's a heart here. There is now. There is. You've they announced the Snyder Cut. <laughs> <laughs> so much goodwill now that they've Indeed. announced this. What are you going to do with your time? All right, Zach. So it's down to Spartacus and Gladiator. I think there. I, I can. You could argue that you wouldn't have a Gladiator without Spartacus, but I would much rather have Gladiator. It's it's a perfect movie. Can I make a case? Tell me why. Tell me why I shouldn't pick a perfect movie. There wouldn't be Gladiator without Spartacus. You're right. I do think that the chin needs to be on that mountain. Kirk Douglas is so handsome. And Gladiator was not taken directly from the story, but the whole slave becoming a hero story and tragedy happening was the Spartacus story. And also what everything else that influenced. There's a TV show. Spartacus Blood and Sand on Stars. Uh, and also it's been, there's been several theatrical re-releases. It, this is classic Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I think Kirk Douglas. Like Gone with the Wind? Classic Hollywood? Yeah, that, that was good too. It just didn't make it. So I think to represent Gone with the Wind and Swords and Sandals epics, I'm saying Spartacus, but these are both my choices. It's fine. Okay. Okay. You make a strong case. Kirk Douglas has a great chin. He'll look good on the wall. Let's go with Spartacus. I am Spartacus. We're going to Spartacus. I'm going to take Spartacus. So uh, can you read the National Monument? The National Monument, then. The official Bacon Seal of The one that we're building. National Monument. For war movies. For war movies. That are not World War movies. Representing Braveheart. The painted face of William Wallace. The face, right? The face. The face. Mm -hmm. Representing Apocalypse Now, Martin Sheen ascending from the mud. Mm. Representing Glory, Denzel just looking handsome. Yeah, with a little cap on. Oh, yeah. And representing Spartacus, the chiseled chin of Kirk Douglas. Just the chin. Just the chin. (laughs) (laughs) What a horrific sight. I've got just abs on my personal one. We got just the chin. (laughs) Put that together. It's a weird transformer. It is. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. That is our national monument of uh, war movies that are not World War movies. Yes. Let us know if you agree with that. Also, and, and yeah, tell us which ones may, we may have left off. There's a lot of honorable mentions that we did not mention oh, yeah. at all. I sent Zach a list of like 20 movies. Yeah, it was a long Just list. Like, hey, like what else, for example? Uh, other ones I brought up uh, was like, I did say last Mohegan's. Yeah. Uh, Dances with Wolves, The Deer Hunter, uh, Forrest Gump I put on there, Black Hawk Down, oh, The Hurt Locker, Gump. American Sniper, Brothers, Lone Survivor, Thank You for Your Service, like mm-hmm. a lot of these movies. The more recent ones, I didn't include a lot of more recent ones. I think it's because they haven't maybe stood the test of time yet. No. Yeah. But there's, and there's still a, sort of a raw feeling there. too because it does feel so recent and it's sort of sensitive. Yeah. It's a bit sensitive. But I would I would like to ask for the listener's help at this point. There's a lot of World War II movies. A lot of World War II movies. And, and I, World War I, I haven't seen a lot of the greats. I really haven't. I watched a ton this past week. Yeah. In not in preparation for this show, just because I felt like it was a total dad moment. Yep. And You're I did your feel white sneakers and shorts and inside. barbecuing. Yeah. Yeah. Mow that lawn. Yeah. I mowed the lawn as well. <laughs> but I need picks I for need your favorite World War I and two movies. Yeah. Please send those over to us because we may do another show like this for actual World War movies. And it may be soon. Mm. Mm. (laughs) but before we go we'd like to give some love to our patrons specifically the i am the listener tier which includes adrian gray stephen ross terry finley Braden winterton chris trout colton cook jennifer kukowski sean sanquist just kyler now and alicia bass also we'd like to give some love to the baking council which includes nicole d hale chris anderson ryan farron and crew crew congrats to jacob on the chalupa twins dutler okay there you go and reverse listener as well. Thank you so much for being patrons. And thank you so much for listening to a Bacon Cell, all of you out there. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter. Or you can find me before with QuickWits. They've been doing online shows at Facebook on their Facebook page. But you can also look forward to shows coming once again to the Midville Performing Arts Theater soon. 
If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. And if you want to read my movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. If you want to connect with me on social media, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at TumblingMustard. So feel free to tweet at me. But most importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale on social media. That's at Bacon Sale on Instagram, Twitter, and like the Bacon Sale Facebook page. And while you're at it, go ahead and get yourself some Bacon Sale merchandise as well. You can get yourself a t-shirt that's, uh, I don't know, all three of the Bacon Sale boys flying on... uh, Falcor. Falcor. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd get that at tpublic.com slash bacon sale. And then if you want to support the show, they well, we'd, we'd so appreciate it. Mm-hmm. If you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash bacon sale, where you can become a patron starting at just $3 a month. You can uh, get access to special bacon bits. We had a, a pretty fun one this week talking about, I don't know. Batwoman? Batwoman. <laughs> really fun. <laughs> Super fun. <laughs> but then there's also bonus content such as having Joel's kids review movies, which has yep. been a fun video series that's going on there. Once again, that's patreon.com slash bacon sale. So until next time, you know, now that you've listened to this episode of Bacon Sale, feel free to comment on this episode when we post it. Don't comment and you'll live at least for a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here to this episode and tell Bacon Cell that they may have chosen their favorites, but they didn't choose your favorites! Speed ramp and snap zoom. And I use that word in context. Sounds a bit heavy. War movies. We're heavy guys. Forget about World War One. Forget about World War Two. <laughs> Forget about these wars. That's, uh, that's for a limited time only. So uncomfortable. <laughs> Thank you for your service, veterans. We really do appreciate it. We'll never forget. Forget about Greatest Generation real quick. Oh, boy. Uh, Sour uh, Patch Watermelon are far superior to Sour Patch Kids. They are. I know. And why is that? Sour Patch Kids were invented to give you kinker sores. It's the same stuff on the outside. But it's not. There's like something better with the taste, and I don't understand what but it is. But if they put the watermelon flavoring in the Sour Patch Kids, would it taste as good as that? Or it's, is it the thickness as well? I think it's the shape of the kids. They're meant to cut up your tongue. <laughs> that's that's, that's watermelon. They're basically fruit. Ooh, You're basically eating fruit. They should make a Sour Patch Kid Captain Crunch cereal, and your mouth would just explode. <laughs> <laughs> just blood. Poor <laughs> Internal bleeding. Just a constant war in your mouth. <laughs> Ain't no, no listen back, girl. I'm able to separate favorite from best. And I'm not because whatever I say is the <laughs> best. best. Doing full patch Adams. Don't cry, Joel. Don't cry. More blood, more, more drowning. Sparta. Oh, you're putting his face on there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting his abs. Joel's putting abs on the mountain. It's just abs. <laughs> I spent four months outside a gym at the Wendy's outside the gym. Does that count? Chime on. Old ladies loved they us. They loved us? Yeah, old ladies and dogs loved us. <laughs> so watch the Snyder Cut, because it is so <laughs> good. Burn him! Burn my uncle! It's like really got its head cut off and it was spinning across the screen. It's a weird Wendy's. <laughs> no, don't put Eva Green in your personal money. That's just weird. Eva Green is... is- is it? I know you're you'll, you'll abs, make it weird. You're putting abs on your mountain. They're going to be tasteful. That's a very <laughs> tasteful different abs. Tasteful abs. <laughs> Tasty? No. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least you got abs on there. Abs. 
Joaquin Phoenix has toe thumps. Don't don't spread that rumor. It's now on Wikipedia. He'll find us. Don't you just hate that song? Did you just quote Wild Wild West? I like it more than most. Those are Jake rules. When you buy a home, you get those two movies on DVD, but not Blu-ray. I just hit my nose with my microphone because of how bad she is. <laughs> Hurts my heart. Wow. There's a heart here. There is now. There is. You've they announced the Snyder Cut. <laughs> the Civil War is like oppressing the relationship. No. Denzel just looking handsome. Also, our butts are that good in real life.